talks to me in words occasionally. Most of the time when the Lord speaks to me, he speaks to me through the scriptures. Something in the scriptures will come alive to me. And it's almost like uh, the Lord will put, it's like a jigsaw puzzle coming together. I'll see something here and I'll see something there. And it'll all come together over a period of time. I'll just get a sense about things and then I will know what God is saying to me. It's not always comes together in words, but it comes together so that I do know and have a sense that God is speaking to me about something in particular. And this is the way this came together. But, uh, uh, but also, uh, in this particular occasion, the Lord did speak to me in specific words. He said for me to put uh, meditations about healing, healing verses and meditations about healing on playing cards. Well, now, when the Lord said that to me, it was a real, little bit of a shock. I said, you know, Lord, if I do this, there are going to be some people that are more legalistic in their thinking and are not going to like this. And the Lord said in his typical fashion to me, he said, uh, what do you care what they think? They don't like you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's true, Lord. And so I did what the Lord said, and I sent this, an order actually to China to have these cards printed, 10,000 decks of cards printed uh, with these healing verses on them. Well... This week that I was diagnosed with cancer, the shock came. Well, guess what arrives on my doorstep? There's 10,000 decks of cards with healing verses on them. So I'm the first ones to use these cards. So every morning I'm studying about prostate cancer, and, uh, and I over a cup of coffee, and I take this deck of cards, and uh, I play solitaire with it. And I turn the cards up and confess what's on the cards, look to Jesus as my healer, put myself in the multitude, seeing Jesus heal me, and I do that for probably an hour or so each morning as I'm studying about prostate cancer and just looking to the Lord as my healer. By the end of the month, I request that all the tests be done again, and uh, all my numbers have gone back to zero. They can't find any evidence of prostate cancer anymore. And that's been six years ago. I've, uh, every quarter I've had the tests come back, and they've all come back negative. I just had a, another series of tests just in the last, actually in the last two weeks, and no evidence of cancer. I had my doctor, I pressed him for a testimony. I want him to testify back to me that I've done the right thing. He simply won't do it, but uh, finally I got him to, I said, okay, if you were a man in my shoes, I said, would you do anything other than what, what I'm doing? He said, certainly not. I would not do anything either. So he agrees that I've done the right thing. So I said, so you would serve Jesus too, huh? <laughs> he just smiles at me. <laughs> Any case, so I'm saying to one of the things I'm saying to you is that uh, keeping your eyes on Jesus, focusing on him as your healer really does work. Even if you don't have... Uh, you know, an event that seems to knock you, you know, knock you over. You can receive a healing without any real, uh, what should I say, uh, wham, bam ex experience in the, in the process of receiving healing. Now, some of, you, uh, some of you have probably heard my testimony, but I tend to, tend to share it on Friday nights on most occasions, and I felt like I should share that as well, how I got involved in healing ministry. In 1992, I was a U.S. Army chaplain. I had served my 20 years in the service, and I was getting ready to retire. 
and I was seeking the Lord about my future, what my future would hold. I knew I was going to continue in the ministry, but I didn't know what form that ministry would take. I was open to just about anything, what the Lord wanted, to be a pastor or to be some sort of traveling ministry. Uh, anybody that's been under my ministry has seen that, you know, that I do teach, and that's my style of ministry, and so I was open to, you know, traveling and teaching or teaching in a seminary or doing whatever. And uh, in any case, the Lord said something to me unexpectedly as I was seeking him during this process. He said to me, why don't you receive me as your healer in the same way that you received me as your Savior? Now, let me say it again. Why don't you receive me as your healer in the same way that you received me as your Savior? Now, when the Lord said that to me, the emphasis in that thing that came across to me was the phrase, in the same way. Why don't you receive me as your healer in the same way that you received me as your Savior? Now, this question really caught me by surprise. Simply because I had read all the books on healing. I'd even had a little bit of healing happening in my ministry the previous 20 years of my ministry. In fact, I was having probably as much healing and maybe some more healing than many of the ministers that I knew. Uh, I had one or two healings each year on average. I had stories to tell. If you had asked me about healing, I could have told you some things. I knew it was based on what Jesus had done. I knew that that what Christ had done at the cross accomplished healing for you, for us. I knew that healing occurred because of what Jesus had done. I knew the Holy Spirit was willing to minister healing to people. However, when I prayed for the sick, I had zero confidence that Jesus would heal people. And most of the healings that I had seen occurred as a result of a word of knowledge. In other words, I'd be in a circumstance, a word of knowledge would occur, somebody would... Uh, we get a specific word about someone uh, having a particular need. I would speak that particular word, someone would respond. And because of the unusual circumstances of having a revelation, my faith would be high and something would occur and they'd receive a healing. And I suspect their faith would be released as a result of the word of knowledge. And because I had seen healing happen that way, I thought that all healing had to happen that way. And therefore, when someone came for prayer, and I didn't have a word of knowledge for them, I also didn't have faith for them. So if it didn't occur in that particular fashion, I just didn't know how to pray for them. And this is the honest truth. If you stood in front of me asking for prayer, and I did not have a revelation, I would pray for you. And if something didn't happen in the first 20 seconds or so, I'd spend <clears throat> the next... 30 seconds or so, figuring out how to get out of this situation gracefully. I didn't want to condemn you. I didn't want to embarrass you. I didn't want to embarrass myself. But the truth is, I did not know what to do if something wasn't happening. Shake your head up and down if you get this, okay? What I find is that most people don't know what to do. They have not been trained. They have no clue, really, how to affect something happening. They don't know how to come to a situation with simple faith in order to see a healing happen. See, the scripture is pretty clear about this. Jesus himself said, these signs will follow those that, not those who are anointed, not those who are gifted, but those who, see, if you're waiting to be anointed, 
you're waiting to be gifted, guess what? You're not believing. And that's why it's not working. Shake your head up and down. You getting this? See, we've been taught some things in the church. We're all waiting for something else to happen. We're all postponing it for some point in the future when it'll work right now. And see, we've got to get to the place where we know that Jesus the healer is here now inside us. See, Jesus has always been a healer, and when he came inside you, Jesus the healer came inside you. You already have Jesus the healer inside you. And he's capable of healing the sick right now. Turn to someone and say, Jesus the healer is in you. You don't need anything else. See, this constant looking out there, waiting for something else to occur, is a form of unbelief. And we've got to get past that. You have what you need to do it now. These signs will follow those that believe. See, it's very important for us to get past this. But see, I wasn't there. I was not there. I didn't understand all these things. I was doing just exactly what I'm describing to you. I was waiting for that event to occur, that proverbial other shoe to drop, so that I would feel confident that I could lay hands on the sick and it would happen every time I did it. And see, the truth is there is no other shoe. If you're constantly waiting for another prophecy or some, some event, an angel to appear to you, you will never do this stuff. You have what you need now. And some places, you're just going to have to decide that you do and start believing. Come on, you do. Come on, come on. See, see anyway, this particular set of events led me to consider what the Lord began to, was saying to me. See, it caught me by surprise. I was praying about my future. Now, looking back, this is 22 years later, looking back, I've spoken in 300 churches we've seen since that time about healing <laughs> what was the Lord saying I'm going to prepare you to do healing ministry Roger I didn't get it when he said that to me he was starting to move me that direction by straightening out my head about healing why don't you receive me as your healer in the same way you receive me as your savior what have I done for the last 20 because God was answering my prayer about my future by saying this to me I didn't get it at the time but I began to consider what God was saying to me and of course that particular phrase in the same way stuck out at me just you know and so I began to think about it what do I believe about salvation well here's what I believe about salvation I believe that when Jesus died on the cross for my sins the work was finished it is finished so all I had to do in order to be saved I didn't have to get Jesus to go die for me again. He had already done that. Yeah. It was already mine. I just needed to receive it. Mm -hmm. And the moment I heard the good news and received what Jesus had done for me, believed it to be true, I was saved. Mm -hmm. True? Is that true? Yes. I mean, all, you mean that's all I had to do was believe? Yes. All I had to do was believe. 
to receive what Jesus had done for me at the cross. So I said, okay, what is God trying to tell me here? All I have to do is believe in order to receive Jesus as healer. Well, I believe that the work at the cross in healing is already done also. He bore our pain. He bore our pain. That's past tense. He bore our pain. We're not getting Jesus to bear our pain now. We're not trying to talk him into doing that. It's already done. He bore our pain. Carried our sorrows. Again, past tense. Already done. Carried our sorrows. And by his stripes, we are healed. Peter puts it in the past tense. We were healed. Already done. Already done. Everybody say it. It's already done. It already belongs to me. See, that's what maybe you don't get yet. See, you don't have to convince God to heal you. In fact, the very act of trying to convince God to heal you comes out of unbelief. In Christ, you are already healed. It is already yours. Father has already said yes to your healing. He's not said maybe. He's not said wait. He said yes and amen. It's already done in Christ. Jesus is already your healer. Already done. So what the Father was saying to me, Roger, you're being inconsistent. On one hand, you believe the work is done for your salvation, but on the other hand, you don't believe that it's done for your healing. And yet, you do believe that he's already paid the price for you, so why don't you believe this? I said, oh, I get this. So Jesus, today, this probably occurred two, three weeks after the Lord said this to me. It just took me a while to sort through all this, what the Lord was saying to me. The Holy Spirit was working with me. Do you know something about the Holy Spirit? If you have, There's a lot of young people here, and I'm really glad that they're here. I want to tell you something about God. He is very patient. He works with us. He's not, he doesn't, let me just say, I'm a little dumb at times. The Lord has been very patient with me working through, I'm just dumb as a rock sometimes. Takes, you know, and I think, oh, why didn't I get that before? The Lord just, you know, it, it took me three weeks to put this all together, but the Holy Spirit was just guiding me point by point, situation by situation, putting this verse together with this verse together. But you know what? I had to, I had to know those verses for the Lord to put it together. What Micah was saying, you know, put some scripture into yourself so that the Holy Spirit can use those things for you. But in any case, I finally got it. I declared to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I think I get this. Jesus, today, in the same way that I did before, I declare that you are already my healer, regardless of what I'm experiencing. I'm not trying to get you to be my healer. You are already my healer. The work is already done for me. In the same way, before I even knew a thing about it, I had to hear the gospel. Before I knew a thing about it, you were already my Savior. I had to hear the gospel and receive what you had done for me. In the same way, I hear the gospel today, 
what's what I'm sharing with you now, the good news that Jesus is already your healer. You're not trying to get him to be your healer. He is already your healer. The work is already done. You don't have to get God to do a single thing more for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is sufficient to bring every aspect of what Jesus has done for you to your situation. Well, I wish I could say that everything worked out immediately. But that's not the way it works. I don't know if you've ever, how much of, you know, you can, you can discover something in the Lord and you think, oh man, everything's just going to work out exactly, and it just doesn't work out quite that way. Uh, you do have to walk truth out. The truth does set you free. I promise you that. It just doesn't set you free quite the way you think it's going to. Anyway, what happened was, after declaring Jesus my healer, I got a terrible sinus infection, both sides. Now, I had chronic sinus infections in those days. I had them from the time I was about nine years old. I had three or four a year, and sometimes they would last for months. And sometimes medication would help, other times it just simply would not cut through the, the sinus infection hereditary. I, my father had them too. We just had a terrible problem in our family with sinus infections. And uh, I had them all through my military career, but the problem with uh, sinus infections is that you're not really, in many cases, not sick enough to be in bed, you know, but you're not really well enough to be on your feet either. And as a military officer, you just can't lay down. You've got to function, you know, or your career's over with. You just can't do that. You can't do that. And so as a military officer, I got up, and I'd go out and run with the troops. I was an Army chaplain, and I'd run with the troops. And sometimes I'd be running fever, running with the troops, you know, a little low-grade fever, terrible headache, and be running with the troops and praying all the way. But here's a, you know, and, and by the way, I did believe in healing in those days. I just had trouble receiving myself. I just didn't get it, you know, how to receive myself. And even though I did see one or two people healed a year, I just had no confidence that I could receive myself or minister that with confidence to others unless I had a word of knowledge. But in any case, I got one of these terrible sinus infections, a really bad one. And for the first time in my Christian experience, really, I stood in faith, looking to the cross, believing that Jesus was already my healer, believing that the work was already done for me. I was not practiced at this. I'm real practiced at it these days, but um, I was not practiced at all at this, and so I struggled a little bit with it. I did everything I knew to do, confessing the blood of Jesus, uh, confessing the scriptures, uh, praising God, doing everything I knew to do, you know, what might, some might call spiritual warfare, thinking in terms of spiritual warfare. And after, after a week or 10 days, a week, a week or so, I wasn't any better. In fact, I was worse. Anybody been there where they're kind of standing in faith and things seem to be worse? Well, that was, a, that was a real test in my faith. I mean, I didn't know what to think about that, you know, because here was this truth that really seemed clear to me. I mean, it fit with the scriptures, everything, and I just didn't know. So I did something I do recommend. I decided to reevaluate what I believed because it just, just 
did not seem to be working. So I, uh, I, I took a long, hard look at this particular truth. Did Jesus already die for it? Can I count on this being true? Can I receive it in the same way that I received my salvation? And so on. By the end of the day of reevaluating everything, I came to the conclusion that I was standing on firm scriptural ground that this was really what the scriptures taught, despite what my experience might be saying to me. And so I made a declaration, a strong declaration. I said, Jesus, I don't care how long this takes. I don't care how it works itself out. Jesus, you are my healer. And I immediately went from being very sick to being completely well. Amazing difference. Now, I'll tell you what was happening. Now I understand. Looking back on it, I, I can analyze it and tell you what happened. For that 10 days that I was struggling, I was still doing the same stuff. I was still seeing if it worked. I was still doubting. I was still saying, okay, is this the truth or not? I had not really committed myself to this truth. I was seeing if it was true by seeing if it worked and see the truth sets us free see? commitment to the truth will set you free however if we're waiting for the evidence to come before we believe the truth the evidence will never come you see that the evidence will never come if you're waiting for the evidence to prove to you that it's tr the truth is true you have to stand on what Jesus, the, the truth about Jesus. It's very, very important to get past this thing. Well, so I get healed. And by the way, I've never had a sinus infection since then. <laughs> that was uh, 1992 at the end of the year. Yeah. Now, I've had raspy throats and all kinds of things since then, but never a sinus infection. <laughs> In fact, I've, you know, I've come to meetings sometimes where, where uh, my throat's raspy. Uh, I've even walked into a meeting with laryngitis, you know, from doing way too much talking over a period of time, um, too many meetings, and uh, had the experience. I've had this experience several times, actually, standing up in front of people. I've been talking like this to my friends standing up in front of people to preach the gospel and my voice just be perfect supernaturally I've seen the Lord do that a number of times then get off the stage go back to talking like this <laughs> it's really very funny sometimes you know it's, it's the Lord's the Lord interesting to me the Lord does want us to be good stewards good stewards of our body so so he doesn't always just remove the product of us over abusing our bodies he wants in other words he'll sometimes he'll move it out of the way for us to preach the gospel or because of the sake of the other people but he does want us to take good care of ourselves as well <laughs> but in any case that's happened in numbers i think you've been around when i've done that a couple times haven't you yeah <laughs> it's really pretty neat when that happens but uh in any case where was that that's my problem see i forget where i'm at See, somebody pray for my pray for my memory. <laughs> oh yes, okay. There we go. 
anyway, uh, I was very excited about this because this really, in many ways, was the first healing that I ever, you know, really sought the Lord for, pressed in, believing on what Jesus had done for me. Making a declaration was an important aspect of it, just standing on the truth regardless of what I experienced. And I highly recommend that, by the way. You know, if you're waiting for the result to prove to you that the gospel's true, it'll never come that way. You have to believe that what Jesus has done is real and focus on that. I would say that, say that uh, 50% of the people that I see that are struggling, maybe more than that, receiving a healing, they're waiting for the result to prove it to them. See, and they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing. You need to focus on what Jesus has done for you. The result will come if you'll do that. But if you keep taking your eyes on what Jesus has done for you and keep looking to see if it's come, then it won't work because you're not really believing in what Jesus has done for you. You're waiting for the proof to come in order to believe. See? That's not, the really, that's not the way it works. The proof will come if you will believe. Anyway, so I'm really excited about this, and so I go to my wife, and uh, she has a couple issues. One of the issues that she has is that she has migraine headaches, and, um, and they're related to her menstrual cycle. She has a migraine headache every month, and it lasts for four or five days, but she takes medication that kind of washes her out, and so she's really completely... Uh, useless, she would say that, for a, for a week or so. And here I am, the man of God. We've cast out demons. We, we have laid hands on the sick ones, seen people healed. We've, done a, you know, we've seen the Lord do a lot of supernatural things over the years, and yet I simply can't help her when she's having one of these headaches. I mean, she goes into one of these things. She, all she can do is lay in a dark room and whimper, you know, light or noise of any type, just completely... Uh, devastates her with pain and I remember feeling just so inadequate you know just incredibly inadequate in those circumstances I can't help my wife and uh, but here taking a different approach we come to the Lord uh, believing that the work is already done instead of asking him and begging him and looking to him in that kind of way trying to get him to do something instead we believe it's already done. That's a different approach. And we simply pray, Jesus, we thank you that it's already done in you. Jesus, you're her healer, and so on. And from that moment on, she never has another headache. Amazing. Amazing. Not a battle. There was no battle. No, nothing. She never has again had another migraine headache. She also has another health issue. She has asthma pretty badly. In fact, uh, she has, I mean, she just can't breathe. She has to take my, uh, steroid medications in order to be able to breathe. And uh, I remember several times, you know, where she actually, you know, we're walking up some stairs or something, and she has to stop in the middle because she just can't breathe. And uh, so we taking the same approach, you know, that the work is already done for her at the cross that Jesus is already her healer. Well, this works out a little differently, and we're not, I can't explain to you exactly why it does, but I would call her progress. We have to work on that. Her progress from, I'm a Texan, so we say it differently. Her progress in this is different. 
I would describe it as three steps forward, two back. We pray, and she's much better. In fact, she's able to not take her medications for a season, and, but she gets tight again where she can't breathe, and, and so she'll take her medications if she needs to. We don't believe that God is somehow mad at her for taking the medications. She needs them. And so she takes her medications, and she can breathe again, but we continue to pray. And over a period of time, we would describe her progress as three steps forward, two back. Three steps forward, two back. After six months of this kind of thing, she is uh, so much better that she doesn't need her medications at all. By the time a year elapses, and I say a year because if she gets better, we just don't pray as often, but... Uh, uh, but a year elapsed, and she's completely free from asthma and from asthma medications. Never had asthma since then. Before this happened, when I would pray for my children, you know, when they had childhood diseases, I remember, you know, they hugging the toilet bowl, that sort of thing. Had um, had, how would to describe it as mixed results? I would just say bad results that seldom did we see much of anything happen. Oh, occasionally something seemed to be supernatural that seemed to happen. But most of the time, I would leave puzzled why I couldn't seem to help my kids. You know, because it's, it's like Micah was saying, you know, God's word says this stuff. So why doesn't it work, you know? And so I'd pray for my kids, and they'd still be throwing up, you know, with fever and so on. And, uh, but all of a sudden now, because we're looking to the cross, believing that the work is done, we start seeing the supernatural uh, on a regular basis with our kids. So in fact, they get used to it. They, before they even really have much of a symptom, they start coming to us for prayer, start responding in faith themselves, expecting something to happen. So there's a change in the atmosphere in my family simply because we all are now believing that the work is already done for us. Not, we're not asking God to do stuff, we are just expecting it to happen. So, in any case, that changes. Uh, during this period of time, I'm, I am so excited about this that I just, boy, if you sniffle around me, I'm going to ask to pray for you. Um, my wife kids about it. She says, she says I, I would pray for dead trees. I mean, everybody and everything. I mean, I was looking for all kinds of opportunities. In this series, in this period of time, also, I had written a book. I had, was working on my doctorate, and I had written a book that had one little thin chapter on healing. I didn't know a lot about healing, but the Word has some things to say about it, so I said what the Word said about it. And uh, so the, the book was popular in some circles. And it was actually my uh, dissertation for the, for the doctorate program, but, it was but I published it as a book, and it ended up in some circles. And I got some invitations to speak. And um, just every situation I got into, the pastors assumed, because I had a little thin chapter on healing, that I knew something about healing. Well, I was learning. And so I knew more about healing than I did before. And so what would happen is I'd get in a situation, and I started praying for the sick in those circumstances, believing that the work was done for every person that stood in front of me. And I started seeing cancer healed. I started seeing people out of wheelchairs, MS, a variety of things. Just about anything that was, I didn't see everybody healed that I prayed for. In fact, I wouldn't even call it the majority. 
And so, but I would say uh, before I was seeing one or two people healed a year, I started seeing 25, 30 a month being healed. Now, that's a huge change. Now, to these days, we see a lot more than that. However, that was such a huge change that uh, you think about it, that's a couple hundred times as much healing in a year's time. And there was nothing seemed out of reach because it was just standing in faith. It wasn't ever about me. It was about what Jesus had done. See, it wasn't about, it wasn't about how spiritual I was. It wasn't about whether I was having a good day or a bad day. It was always about what Jesus had done. And when I proclaimed that, you know, it kind of got me out of the equation. You know, I was off the roller coaster of my own righteousness. I wasn't up or down whether I was having a good day, whether I had spent an hour speaking in tongues or not. It didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with what Jesus had done. And so when I focused on that and I got the other folks to focus on that, stuff happened. And... Uh, more and more and more began to happen. All of a sudden, these pastors, I remember one situation, one of the first invitations I got, came as a result of me praying for a pastor's wife who had cancer, and she got healed. And so I got a call on the phone. I heard about Pastor so-and-so's wife. You prayed for her, and she got cancer. Will you come and talk about healing in our congregation, Roger? And I said, well, I'm not sure I know anything about healing, but I am learning. Um... I'll come and share with you what I, what I know so far. And uh, he says, fine. And the rest is history. I've spoken, of, I've been around the world. I've spoken in 300 churches. I've seen a conservative, I, see, I believe that boasting and hyping things is lying. I don't do that. I believe conservatively. I've seen 30,000 people healed. It's Jesus. See, Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. So looking back at what the Lord said to me on that day, you know, why don't you receive me in the, as healer in the same way that you received me as Savior? He was preparing me for my future and 22 years ago, and I've seen the Lord do amazing things. And just say something to the young people there. Jesus has got a plan for all of you. And it can be a... Very exciting plan, amazing plan. Stick with him. Abide in Christ. That's it. Invest yourself in it. It'll be worth doing, I promise you. And that's for all you folks that have gray hair out there, too. I want to say something to you, too. The Apostle John didn't really get busy in ministry and had the most fruitful time of his ministry after he was 80 years old. From 80 to 100 was the most fruitful time of his ministry. History tells us that. So if you think that you've retired, you may just get refired. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to share just a little more with you here, and then I'm going to talk to you the basic four doubts that people have in receiving a healing. And then we're going to do some ministry with you. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Okay. This won't go very long. Now, let me just talk to you about doubt itself. Doubt is not the same thing as unbelief. Unbelief is, uh, 
The opposite of is uh, the word faith, obviously, belief, unbelief. Faith um, is obviously the word believe, and unbelief is simply that we don't believe. If I say uh, there is a God, then unbelief says there is no God. Okay, it's the opposite. Now, typically, um, most people in a group like this who have come to a healing meeting don't really have trouble with unbelief. You all believe that God heals the sick. But we all struggle, particularly in the Western culture, with the whole idea of doubt, what doubt is. Now, doubt comes from a word that could be translated as disqualify. If I say Jesus heals the sick, most of you would say, yes, he does, but maybe you won't heal me. That's doubt working. See, you express faith, yes, he heals the sick, but maybe you won't heal me. That's doubt working. You have disqualified yourself in some sort of way. Now, I'm declaring to you right now, you are qualified because of what Jesus has done. Turn to somebody and say, you're a rascal, but you're qualified. qualified rascal see the thing is is that we can see this first of all Jesus died on the cross for all of us so we're qualified on the basis of the cross he bore our pain carried our sorrows and by his stripes we are healed that includes every rascal in this room okay now what I mean by saying that to you and the reason we're using the word rascal is Sometimes people disqualify themselves on the basis of righteousness. In other words, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I haven't crossed every T and dotted every I in some sort of way. Maybe I violated the rules too much for God to heal me. I want to, there's another place where we can look to see that Jesus healed everyone in the multitudes who came to him. See? He healed the good and the bad and the ugly and the multitudes. Turn to someone and say, which are you? (laughs) This is very important because if you had asked Peter, James, John, Mary, any of Jesus' closest disciples, if you had asked them, maybe God doesn't want to heal that man because he has lived such a sinful life. His healing, his uh, health problems are a result of him drinking too much. I know they didn't have tobacco, but smoking too much. Maybe his health problems are a result of him living a very sinful lifestyle. He's reaping what he sowed. How would those closest disciples of Jesus reacted to this idea? They would have scratched their head and said, where did you get that idea? Jesus healed many such men. They would have known the truth because they had seen Jesus minister to the multitudes. They had seen him heal people who would perhaps be considered unrighteous by their neighbors. See, that were not meeting the standards, so to speak, even in that day. See, that's right, grace. They would have understood that Jesus was not setting a standard of righteousness to heal people. He's not setting a standard today either. See, I want to say to you, there is no T to cross, no dot, I to dot, because Jesus has already done that for you. 
There's no standard of righteousness for you to meet in order for you to receive grace from God in the area of healing. It's already been done. It already belongs to you. Now, this is very important because it works this way. You receive grace from God, you can be more righteous. You don't get more righteous so you can receive grace. You receive grace so you can be more righteous. So here's the, here's the bottom line. If Jesus healed everyone in the multitudes, he's the same Jesus. If he healed the good and the bad in the multitudes without discrimination, he's not discriminating against you either. So get this stuff out of your head that says, I'm just not good enough. Join the club. Seriously, nobody is good enough to receive a healing. You're not going to get it that way. Nor is your neighbor going to get it that way. Nobody gets a healing because they're good enough. They get it because it comes as a gift from God. Everybody say a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It comes because God is good, not because we are. This is very important. The gift comes from God and it makes you good because you get it it helps you be good be good it transforms you it helps you be better but it doesn't become because you are it's very important all right so the first thing we have to say about doubt is that first of all we'll cross off that idea that first of all you have to become righteous all right God is not going to heal you because you're good He's not going to withdraw healing or keep you from receiving healing because you're bad. He's going to heal you because of what Jesus has done. That's the only reason you're going to receive. Not about your righteousness. It's not about your unrighteousness. It's about what Jesus has done. See, if you get that into your head, then you can receive a healing when you're having a bad week. You don't have to have a good week to receive a healing. Now, I'm... In saying all this, boy, there is nothing better than a clean conscience. And two ways to get a clean conscience. One way is to keep one by walking before the Lord and doing the right thing. The other way is a good way too, a good way to start anyway, and that's by confessing your sins before the Lord and repenting. Okay? Both ways will give you a clean conscience. And I recommend the first way after you've done the second way. Yeah. Okay. But even if you're struggling with the first way, you can stand righteous before the Lord. But that's not why you're going to receive a healing. You're going to receive a healing because he's good. Okay, you got that? Okay. All right, first issue that comes up when we pray for the sick is maybe I'm not righteous enough. Well, I can declare to you that's not about that. Second issue that you're going to deal with here. Second issue. What is it, Micah? Do you remember what it is? Yes. Is it God's will for me to receive a healing? How do you know? Say again? He paid the price, so everybody, the healing's already there at the cross. How about the multitudes? Never turned anyone away. He didn't ever say to somebody, hey, you, you come back in six months, you know, and then it will be God's will for you. Never suggested to someone that God had another reason for them 
remain sick. See, we're going to really deal with this tomorrow, and I hope that you come tomorrow because I would like to lay at rest this idea that God has a purpose for people to remain sick. It is a it is a false teaching in the church that has been in the church for centuries and needs to be dispelled. Jesus never turned anyone away and suggested that their sickness was doing them some sort of good. Can God use sickness? Sure. God can use anything. Doesn't mean he wants to use it. Uh, Bill Johnson, some of you are probably familiar with Bill, uh, he has this amazing ability to summarize truth. He says, God plays the hand that we deal him perfectly. So if you deal God a great hand by knowing what the truth is, then God's going to play a great hand in your life. If you, play, if, God, if you deal God a bad hand, he'll still play it as best he can. He will use what you play him. And what you get, what you deal him. But believe me, God does not want to use sickness in your life. He will if that's all he's got. All things work together for good. Yep. All right. What's the next thing here? Purpose. I already kind of said something about that, so we won't do it. Let's just let's move to this whole business. Well, if God's not the problem, and he's not, then we must be. Turn to somebody and say, you're the problem. Now, if, I, if we do that one-on-one, -on -one, people get insulted, but we can do it in a crowd, see? Um, here's the deal. God is not the problem, so we are the problem. However, we're not saying that to condemn anybody. But here's the deal on this. We can, if we can see that we're the problem, then we can fix it and you know, get out of God's way, so to speak, so he can bless us and help us and that sort of thing. And see, the, the thing is, is that what, you, you do have enough faith, and this is what I'm going to get at. See, many people doubt they have enough faith to receive a healing. But the Bible doesn't really teach that. Actually, the Bible teaches something much more positive than that. It says that God has given us all a measure of faith. So what does that mean? That means that you've got enough faith to receive what Jesus has done for you. Even God has even put that into your heart. You know, that there's something there that cries out for what Jesus has done. However, this business of doubt gets in the way. You know, in other words, we, we hear this, but we, and we believe it as believers. We say, okay, yeah, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died for our sicknesses. And we say yes to that. But then we do, what do we do? We say, yeah, but, but not for me in some sort of way. And that's doubt working. Yeah, for everybody else, but not for me. We disqualify ourselves in some sort of way and let doubt creep in there. If we can deal with our doubts and qualify ourselves and simply say, I qualify just like everybody else does. I qualify like everyone else in the multitudes. I qualify even if I am a rascal because everyone else is a rascal too. Yeah, everyone in the multitudes was a rascal. Yeah. They didn't get it because they were righteous. They got it because of what Jesus has done or was going to do. They got it, they got it because of the grace of God. They got it in the same way we get it. 
So nothing is different. Everything is the same as what we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's very important for us not to somehow separate ourselves from that, but rather see what Jesus has done there and let us see the things of God in the same way that the disciples saw those things. See, if you want to have a ministry like Peter, Micah does, I do, then you've got to see Jesus in the way that, my, that Peter saw. If you want to have a ministry like the disciples had, you've got to see Jesus in that way. Yeah, I left that one out. <laughs> We're going to go step, take a step back. Sometimes people believe there's some sort of timing in their healing. But Jesus didn't demonstrate that there was some sort of timing. He healed people when they came. See, this idea of timing puts it back on God that somehow or another God has a special timing for healing. But Jesus never taught that. In fact, he never postponed the healing in any kind of way. The disciples, the disciples never saw Jesus somehow demonstrate that there was a timing for healing. In fact, many times what's happened over the years, I've talked people out of their timing. And when I'm able to talk them out of their timing, oftentimes they receive right then. In fact, every time I've seen somebody you know, display this idea that they have a timing, they don't receive a healing. Okay. As long as they're postponing things, they don't receive it. See, Jesus also messaged, what did he say? The kingdom is at hand. And he demonstrated it was at hand, happening now, by ministering healing right then, when it was happening. Now, sometimes what we see is that people receive a healing over a weekend, since we're doing a weekend, Friday night, we're going to be ministering healings tomorrow, again tomorrow or during the seminar that we're doing. Then Sunday we'll be doing it again. Sometimes we see people receive a healing on Friday night. Sometimes not. Sometimes they don't receive on Saturday. But they receive a healing on Sunday. Did God change his mind between Friday and Sunday? What happened? We changed. Something got dealt with between Friday and Sunday. It was always God's will. It was always God's will for that person to receive a healing. It was God's will on Friday, even though they didn't receive. It was God's will on Saturday, even though they didn't receive. And when Sunday came along, something was different, and as a result of that, they were able to receive on Sunday. But it was always God's will. God's will did not change. They just, they changed as they came to faith and understood what the will of God was in that circumstance. And I trust that if you don't get it tonight, You'll get it on Saturday. Yeah. And if I, you don't get it on Saturday, you'll get it on Sunday. And we see a few people sometimes. Now, here's how doubt works. If I say there's a few that may have to hang in there for a little while, guess what? Some of you say, oh, I'm going to be one of the few. <laughs> in fact, we call that, we call that the 90-10 the phenomena. If I say, 90% of you are going to get healed over the weekend, because doubt, how doubt works, 90% of you will say, oh, I'm going to be in the 10. But see, you've got to train yourself not to do that. You've got to train yourself to say, hallelujah, I qualify.
But reality is, is that sometimes people do have to hang in there. You know, we've had a few, and I'll tell some stories about that tomorrow, that have had to hang in there. But I don't want you to automatically think that you're going to be on one of those people. I want you to train yourself not to do that to yourself, but rather to qualify yourself. Start doing that. Anytime a, a thought comes to you that tells you that somehow or another you can't receive, you just reject it and you qualify yourself. Say, no, Jesus paid the price for me. I qualify because of what Jesus has done. I qualify just like the people in the multitudes qualify. Yes, I'm a rascal, but I qualify. Okay? We're not denying that we're rascals and make mistakes. Jesus healed people who made mistakes. Come on. Yeah. In fact, you know, if you guys, some of you would really doubt me if you understood how many mistakes I've made. <laughs> Thank God you can't see all that stuff. They're under the blood. <laughs> Lynn knows (laughs) all right this is what we're going to do now we're going to do something we call a demonstration (coughs) my voice has held up okay today all right now what a demonstration is is that we do believe that God wants to heal the sick and but we found that many believers have not seen anybody healed where they know that they've actually been healed so I have been doing this for nearly 20 years, uh, bringing people up in front of everyone. And for 10 years of that, well, maybe even 15 years of that, I did all the demonstration myself where I laid hands on people who were injured. We did a before and after. They couldn't bend, perhaps, or raise their arms or bend their knees. And, uh, and then we did a before and after, and you know they, they were healed in front of everybody. And then I realized that that was somewhat counterproductive because people already believed that I was ministering healing. I mean, I, that I, I could do this. You know, otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten invited to the church, okay? And uh, so it, it tended to make people think, oh, yeah, Roger can do this. But I was trying to equip the saints for the work of ministry, convince you that you could do this, yeah. okay? Because you really can. Yeah. Because you've got the same Jesus I do. Yeah. See, some of you think that maybe I'm more anointed, but see, I don't think about that in that way. See, I think in terms of I have the anointed one or he has me. See, you want to know how to get more God? Give him more of you. Give him more of your time. Spend more time in the word. You want more more God? Give him more of you. That's the only way that I know. (coughs) That's the only way I know. In a practical way, give him more of you. Anyway, what we're going to do here is we're going to look for certain kinds of people, so don't everybody respond and come forward until after I, let me call you forward, okay? Uh, We're looking for some sort of visible injury, in other words, a a bad back where someone can't bend, uh, perhaps a bad shoulder, you can't raise your arm. We understand that there are other things here that are more serious, perhaps like cancer, but you can't see cancer being healed, obviously, you know, in many cases. Pardon me? Yeah. So what we're going to, so we can do a before and after so you can see something change. Uh, we will pray for everyone who wants prayer tonight. But that will be after the demonstration. So is there anyone here that perhaps has really bad knees and it hurts for you to bend your knees? You could, couldn't step up here without it really causing you pain. Or you have a bad shoulder. It hurts to... Lift your arms. Okay. Would you? What do you have, ma'am? 
Bad shoulder? Okay, well, come on. We'll do them one at a time. We'll, get, we'll do two or three demonstrations. Um, now, I'd like perhaps someone who's never done this with us up here to participate in the demonstration with us, because I'm going to let you pray for them. Uh, I'm just going to talk you through it. Who would like to participate up here with us? Maybe two or three. Get maybe two or three people. Not let, not let just one person be on the spot. A couple more people. Yes, ma'am. Come on. I got the we, the women are responding tonight. Where's the men? Come on, sir. Yeah. All right. And tell. Okay. Let me get. Now, I'm gonna. I kind of take you through a demonstration. You can do this in your living room. I mean, the Lord will respond favorably to you to do this. What is your name, ma'am? Pam. Pam. And tell us about your shoulder, ma'am. Uh, bursitis and fibromyalgia. Okay. And it hurts for you to lift it? How far up does it start to hurt? Oh, there. Right there it starts to hurt? And if you go higher, hurts more? Really? It really hurts. Okay. Okay. Well, you're a good candidate, Pam. All right, so why don't you folks put your hands on Pam just lightly. Don't, uh, it probably hurts uh, even for pressure there too, huh? Maybe not, just movement? Okay. All right, they're laying hands on Pam. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, yes? Okay. All right, listen, I'm going to do this little confession. You guys repeat it after me. This healing belongs to Pam. Because of what Jesus has done. And Pam, you say it too. This healing belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done. Let's do it one more time. This healing belongs to Pam. Because of what Jesus has done. Sorry. <laughs> Pam, you say it too. This healing belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done. Feeling anything happening there, sir? A little bit of twitching. Twitching, okay. Feeling anything? Can't say that you are? Okay. Feeling anything? Not yet. Okay. Hang in there just for a second or two. One of the things that uh, we're kind of an interesting culture in North America, so sometimes we just hang in there, not get too big a hurry here. Hallelujah. Pam, you're feeling something, aren't you? Warm. Feeling warm, huh? It's Feels warm to you? It's warm, yeah. Is this turned on? Yeah, okay, there we go. You feeling warm? You know, I actually thought a minute ago that you were feeling warm. Yeah. You feel that? Okay. Well, I have the same condition she does. Bursitis? <laughs> uh, severe tendonitis. Well, Pam, can you reach over the other hand? Put, no, no. <laughs> actually, that's what we do. Some situations where someone gets healed, uh, we actually have that person immediately turn around and pray for the other person. Yeah, absolutely. One more time. This healing belongs to Pam. This healing belongs to Pam. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done. What's, what's your name, sir? I'm Clay. Klaus. Klaus. Okay. This healing belongs to Klaus. This healing belongs to Klaus. Be because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is, does belong to them because of the cross. He bore their pain, carried their sorrows by his stripes. They are healed. It's already done. Hallelujah. Even if they're rascals. That's right. Important to recognize that. Even if they're rascals. We've seen drug addicts healed this way. I was actually out in San Diego when we had a 
we had a heroin addict show up and showed me his tracks. Said, well, Jesus healed me. I'm a heroin addict, HIV positive. I said, absolutely. How do I know that Jesus will do that? How do I know that God will do this? Simply because if Jesus, if this man had come to Jesus in the multitudes, he would have walked away healed. That's how I know. That's what Christ-centered is about. You learn from Jesus. You would know what the will of God is from Jesus. And I laid hands on this man, prayed for him. He got real hot. And by the weekend it was over with, uh, he was confessing to not having a heroin addiction any longer. He's just not experiencing any, anything. He is now an elder in that church. Let's try it, Pam. See how see how it's feeling. Move it around. Wow! It it feels good. Feels good. No pain. Not really. No, some stiffness. Move but it around. Move it around. Wow! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Now. Um, used to be puzzled by when people would say, well, it feels stiff. And so we would keep praying. But see, when somebody has pain, they don't move that thing. They move it to the point of pain, they quit moving it. But when the pain is gone, you know, the thing causing the pain, the next thing is they will feel stiff when they start moving it up there. So stiffness is simply a result of being healed. So all they need to do is stretch. Just stretch it, Pam. You've got your healing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How about you, Klaus? Klaus? It's not as bad. Yeah. Just a, like she was, like Pam was saying, just yeah. a bit of stiffness there. Yeah. Yeah, just a, a little bit in, in each one. So much better? It's better. Better? Yeah. Okay, well, if you, if you still have some issues with it, mm -hmm. we'll get some prayer tomorrow. Okay? I will. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> now, that look easy? Yeah. That's because it is easy. See? This believing... The right things works, whereas believing the wrong things doesn't work. Okay, that's the important thing, is focusing on what Jesus taught his disciples and seeing that truth. See, Jesus is the truth with a big T. When you focus in on him and what he trained his disciples and what they saw, that will work. And that's so important to understand that. See, the church has got all kinds of of traditions and thoughts about these things, most of which, many things, are wrong. Mm -hmm. And see, I, I was Pentecostal. I was charismatic in my theology. And what, what happened was is I saw one or two people healed each year until the Lord began to straighten me out and focus me on Jesus. And I believed what most Pentecostals believe, and the Lord had to sort, me, sort all this stuff out for me because I found that most of the things that I had learned were wrong were actually opposite of what Jesus taught his disciples. As of it, I were wrong, even though I was a Pentecostal. You know, I believed in healing theoretically, I just didn't have it working very well. Let's do another one. Uh, bad back, we did shoulders, so maybe, maybe if somebody has a bad back or bad knees, anybody like that? I see a hand right there. The ladies are real responsive tonight. Is that always the truth here? Oh, that looks painful. She's already walking in a painful way here. I have a bad back and knees. 
<laughs> yeah, say it again. I have a bad back and knees. Bad back and knees, okay. What's your name? Joyce. Joyce, okay. Tell us about your back, Joyce. Um, diagnosis and closing spondylitis since I was about 21. And my knee, I'm waiting for surgery. Are you? Would you <laughs> like to avoid the surgery? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, how, let's, Joyce, continue. Turn sideways to the people just for a moment. And just very carefully, without hurting yourself, bend to the point where it's not hurting anymore. I mean, when it starts to hurt, stop. That's where it hurts? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Who would like to pray for Joyce? I lost my team. They all sat down. Come on up. Come on, sir. Come on. Okay, that's three. What do you think that these three that just came up to pray for, do you think that they might have Jesus in? So they qualify to pray, don't they? And because they're responding, guess what else they're doing? They're believing. All right. Okay. Yeah. Lay hands on. Lay hands on Joyce. See, they're gonna. Well, God, even look. She's expecting something to happen with the knee too. I was gonna do this in two parts, but she's getting ahead of me. <laughs> All right. Sometimes, by the way. Uh, Sometimes I get to talking up here, and the healings will happen before I get a chance to actually do the confessions and stuff. And sometimes I think that God's saying, get on with it, Roger. <laughs> All right, let's do the confession for Joyce. This healing belongs to Joyce. Because of what Jesus has done. Joyce, say, this healing belongs to me. This healing belongs to me because, because of what Jesus has done. There you go. Hallelujah. And I'm going to do this confession. Jesus bore her pain, carried her sorrows, and by his stripes she is healed. That's right. It already belongs to Joyce because of what Jesus has done. If Joyce had been in the multitudes 2,000 years ago, Jesus would have healed her. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. The very same Jesus who healed them in the multitudes is healing Joyce now. It's not about our anointing. It's about the anointed one who lives within us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want more of Jesus. How about you? Actually, I got all the Jesus I need. I just need to let him out. Let him do more work. Less of me, more of him. Thank you, Lord. One more time, Joyce. This healing belongs to me. This healing belongs to me because, because of, of what, what Jesus, Jesus has done. done. It really does belong to you. It belonged to you 2,000 years ago. Jesus on the cross I did this for Joyce. Hallelujah. You folks, this healing belongs to Joyce. This healing belongs to Joyce. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done. That's right. It is finished. <laughs> Hallelujah. Feeling anything there, Joyce? Yeah, my back. What do you really feel? feel hot. Feels hot? Okay. My knee feels shaky. Shaky? Okay. <laughs> You feel, folks feel anything as you're praying? Heat. Heat. I feel a shakiness. Shakiness. Shaking. Shaking. Well, both of those are common manifestations of the Holy Spirit. In fact, heat is the most common element in healing ministry. I would say 80% or better of the healings that I have seen, the manifestation is heat. If the heat gets really hot, I mean super hot, and covers the whole body, we believe that's a cleansing that's happening. Remember Jesus cleansed the lepers? 
And often a cleansing um, can be with a system-wide infection, HIV, leprosy, a variety of things, a system-wide infection. Um, cancer, with cancer that's spread throughout the body, we've seen people get cleansings of that where they just get intensely hot, stay hot for a while. Uh, I've had uh, several occasions, testimonies in my own ministry of people who remained hot for three days. We laid hands on them once, so it's the Holy Spirit doing it, not us. We laid hands on them once and they got hot and they stayed hot for three days. The trembling, uh, shakiness, is also a very common manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, too. In fact, it's so common that on the North American continent, two groups of people have taken their names. They're called the Shakers and the Quakers. Seriously. They had this as a common manifestation of when the Holy Spirit would touch them, and that's how they took their names from it. The Shakers and the Quakers. It's so common in healing ministry. In fact, when I lay hands on someone, maybe they're in a wheelchair or whatever, and they start quaking in the, in the wheelchair, I get a step back. I take my hands off and step back and cross my arms and watch because usually what we see is a miracle is going to happen right there on that spot. And they'll come out of the wheelchair. We've seen that numerous times. Really amazing. Amazing thing to watch. Are you starting to shake all over? <laughs> now, one of the things that people do is they don't know they'll let something cook. Uh, they we're just letting her cook a little bit here, okay? <laughs> She'll be done in a minute. There's no reason to get in a hurry. There are lots of times we see people kind of getting in a hurry a little bit. Just let the Holy Spirit work with people. Okay, guys, maintain control, though. <laughs> Don't lose it here. <laughs> yeah, I can use some water. Thank you. Living water. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. All right, let's, uh, let's get a little testimony here. Okay, why don't you uh, try bend? Turn sideways first of all. Turn sideways. Okay, try bending now. Oh, a little further. Sideways. Do sideways. Go backwards a little bit. Try going forward again. Look at that. Now, now would that hurt the day before? I haven't touched the floor for 20 years. <laughs> Did that hurt? No. It didn't hurt? No, it didn't. But it would have hurt before. Oh, I just, it wouldn't go. It wouldn't you just go. wouldn't have tried to do it because it would have hurt so bad, huh? It was fused. It was frozen. It was fused. Frozen. Okay. So it's not frozen anymore? No, it's not. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. All right, try the knee. Now, could you do that before? Not without pain. No pain? No pain. No pain. <laughs> no pain. <laughs> My goodness. You know what I think? I you know think what I'm I think? Healed. I think that God may love her. Yeah. Yeah. I know he does. <laughs> and God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I think you guys may have Jesus in you. What do you think? <laughs> oh, this is fun, isn't it? 
See, when you, when, you know, when you know what the Father is willing to do through his son Jesus, the Holy Spirit is willing to do, you, you know, you can, do that. you can do this in your living room. You really can. You really can. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, in a church building. You can do it in your living room. But, and you can show, we had a, we have a, a couple that's been in our ministry for some time. And uh, it's a longer story, but they ministered healing to uh, a relative of their, actually a uh, uh, mom who had a really bad back and she was complaining about it. And so they shared the good news with her, laid hands on her and prayed for her. She was a, she was a borderline Christian. She had received Christ as Savior, but didn't go, didn't attend church and didn't really understand much of anything. In fact, uh, the wife in this case would go back and she'd be reading her Bible and, and she would ask her son, where's, uh, where's Jody? And he said, well, she's out studying her Bible. And this went on for a couple nights. Well, where's Jody? Well, she's out studying her Bible. And the third night, uh, Mom said to uh, Tom when she said, where's Jody? She's out studying her Bible. Well, isn't she finished yet? <laughs> Didn't really get the fact that she studied it every day, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, when she got received the healing, uh, she felt so much, so much better that she had relatives in California. She immediately booked a flight to go out to California to see her relatives. And her relatives are pretty much the same age that she was. And, and one of them had a bad back and was really suffering. And she says, well, let me show you what Tom showed me. And she shared the basics of the gospel with her relative, this borderline Christian, about how Jesus had healed her and shared the testimony and laid hands on her relative and Jesus healed her relative. This is not real hard to do. And the Father is very compassionate and very willing for people to receive. Children can do this. We were in Israel back, uh, this is three or four years ago, and we had uh, three weeks of meetings in the poorest part of Israel, we were ministering to the Russian Orthodox churches in Israel, Russian Orthodox Jewish churches in Israel. Uh, and we were running into some legalism. Legalism is a killer. You know, uh, it's really hard to get people to receive grace when they are got all this law on them that's condemning them. And uh, in any case, we were having some struggle and for them to believe that God would use them in the area of healing. And uh, in any case, uh, one, of the, one of the brothers came up with an idea. He says, why don't we get the kids up and let them minister the healing? I said, that's a great idea. So we had five-year-olds come up to pray for the sick. And we had probably in the first church, we probably had 100 healings occur through five, I think it was five, five, five-year-olds that we had on the stage. So God will use children to heal the sick. You don't have to be a mature Christian to do this. You do have to know Jesus is willing to do it through you. That's right. Okay, I think we can shift gears at this point, Pastor, don't you think? Absolutely. And we'll do some more demonstration over the weekend, and we'll do some specifically on Sunday. Uh, we'll see how much time we have on Saturday, but uh, I, I think we'll, we'll probably end up doing some on Saturday as well. But uh, this is what we want to do. Um, Linda, come on. This way. Linda uh, and Lynn have been telling me they have been working with a group of people here to train them to do healing ministry, and the pastor's already given them permission for us to do this. So, Linda, would you call your team up?
Is it the people? Yeah. You didn't know we were going to do this? I thought Lynn told you. <laughs> you can talk to Lynn about this later on in the evening, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now here's the deal. I know um, that some of you may think may think that that you want me to pray for you, and I am not hesitant to pray for you. But what I would like for you to do is give these people an opportunity to pray for you first. Believe me, I don't need to practice. I got plenty of practice, um, but they could benefit from the practice of opportunity to pray. Every healing that happens for them is an occasion for them to you know, be strengthened and that sort of thing. So it helps them as well. And it helps you too that it happens through them and not through me because they're local to you. They're here. And so the, that benefits the body of Christ in this region that, that people are more confident about healing. So, so, but if you still are struggling and you're not able to come back through the weekend, we're, we're willing to pray for you several times through this weekend. Believe me, I really, we really are. If you're not able to do that, then I will be available to you tonight. In the meantime, what's going to happen, I'm just going to walk back and forth here and talk and, and uh, I guess you might say coach a little bit here. Micah's going to do the same thing. I think Lynn's going to be doing some of that as well. Pastor, if you want to participate in that, you're certainly welcome and your elders as well. And uh, whatever you guys want to do, and this is your process, so certainly it's your church and you're welcome to do that. So here's what we want to do. You guys, uh, why don't we do... Pardon me? Yeah, spread a little bit here. Why don't we do teams of, of four people? Can we do that? Four people in a team? Three and four. Yeah, three and four. So we got four over here. So why don't you guys kind of come this direction, towards this way. Linda? Yeah, go down there. Yeah, she's the leader, and we're telling her what to do. Okay, and you guys come this direction. Come this way, towards the center. All right, we've got three teams here, and uh, this may mean that you need to be a little bit patient as they're praying for people. What we're going to do is use this methodology. Um, I'm going to ask them that they're first of all going to ask you what your situation is, you interview you a little bit. You don't need to tell them your life history, okay? Just tell them what you're dealing with right now, okay? Where your pain is, where, what the difficulty is. Then they're going to lay hands on you, and they're going to simply ask you to do what we were doing up here. Make the confession, this healing belongs to you because of what Jesus has done. They're going to lay hands on you, and then they're going to interview you afterwards. Did we connect? Is there something happening? Just, you know, what's going on with you? They're going to talk to you in the process, okay, to find out what's happening. See, many times, I mean, I have to be honest about this. I used to pray for people, but I never asked them what was going on afterwards simply because I was afraid nothing did. Mm -hmm. That was the truth. Yeah. I didn't want to know because I was afraid. But the reason we want to know is because if nothing seems to be happening, we're well, going to pray again. Yeah. See? Because we believe it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So we're going to pray again. Uh, when I first started learning this thing, sometimes I prayed. It took me two or three times to really get something happening. So, and if you be consistent in that kind of way, it will happen. If you believe it's going to happen, you will pray a second and third time. So be patient. Uh, come forward. You know, sit up. Come forward to sit and wait until you see one of these groups free. 
Uh, I may grab you and pray for you as time goes on. Um, and Micah may do the same thing and, and, and Linda do that just to, to speed up the process as we go along. But we want them to have plenty of opportunity. Okay? That makes sense? All right. Could everyone stand just for a moment? I'm going to pray for everyone and then we're going to get started. All right. Well, Father, I do thank you for grace for the rest of this evening. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that brings healing to us because of what Jesus has done. I pray, Father, that, that this would be true for the rest of the evening as people seek you to receive all the things that you have accomplished in your son Jesus. And I thank you for, for all these things in Jesus' name. And all, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now you can come forward and, re come forward and just start receiving. <clears throat> 